So we're here again. The sun has finally come up, up here in upstate New York. Uh, to continue with Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 11, Chapter 28. And uh, we've gotten up to text 18. Um, this chapter, you may recall, is also titled Jnana Yoga. And uh, where we are now, Krishna is replying to Uddhava's question about the kind of uh, where, what really undergoes the experience of material life, because in some sense it's not the soul which is always pure and made of Brahman and, and, uh, and it's not the body because the body, including the subtle body, is not conscious. The soul is conscious. So, uh, where's the locus of this experience of material world? Um, so, Krishna has explained here, um, he says that, uh, I'll just do a review here. Uh, his answer, uh, starting with text 12, the Supreme Personality of Godhead said, as long as the foolish spirit soul remains attracted to the material body, senses and vital force, his material existence continues to flourish, although it is ultimately meaningless. See, we're uh, attracted to this body because we are under the misapprehension uh, that we, we need it to stay alive. We can actually live without it but, uh, so that's the attachment. Actually, the living entity, I'm continuing now, is transcendental to material existence. But because of his mentality of lording it over material nature, his material existential condition does not cease. And just as in a dream, he's affected by all sorts of disadvantages. Although while dreaming, a person experiences many undesirable things, Upon awakening, he's no longer confused by the dream experience. Lamentation, elation, fear, anger, greed, confusion, and hankering, as well as birth and death, are experiences of the false ego and not of the pure soul. Uh, the living entity who falsely identifies with his body senses life, air, and mind and who dwells within these coverings assumes the form of his own materially conditioned qualities and work. He is designated uh, variously in relationship to the total material energy and thus under the strict control of supreme time he's forced to run here and there within material existence. Although the false ego has no factual basis the word here in Sanskrit is interesting, amula, no root. It's un, not rooted. <laughs> they say without foundation in the world, in the word for word. Although the false ego has no factual basis, it is perceived in many forms. 
the functions of the mind, speech, life, air, and bodily faculties, but with a sword of transcendental knowledge sharpened by worship of a bona fide spiritual master, or just through devotional service, depending on how you translate it, a sober sage will cut off this false identification and live in this world free from all material attachment. So that's how far we've gotten here. That's an idea. So now we're, we're up with text 18. Again, Krishna's continuing his answer. Uh, So he's saying now we need the sword of knowledge sharpened by bhakti. That's the way Banu Swami uh, uh, renders that uh, uh, in Sanskrit through upasana. Upasana means worship. So one takes the worship of the spiritual master or just worship of the Lord. Um, so now, now he's continuing. Uh, with, with text 18. Uh, before I read this, I'll say, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So text 18 goes like this, Jnanam Viviko Nigamastavascha, Pratyakshamatityam Atanumanam, Adyam Tayor asya yadeva kevalam kalaschadhes tuscha tad eva madye. Translation here uh, Real spiritual knowledge is based on the discrimination of spirit from matter and is cultivated by scriptural evidence, austerity, direct perception reception of the Puranas, historical narrations, and logical inference. The absolute truth, which alone was present before the creation of the universe, and which alone will remain after its destruction, is also the time factor and the ultimate cause. Even in the middle stage of this creation's existence, the absolute truth alone is actual reality. Uh, so this is uh, very interesting answer. It begins with a list. Gyanam, this is the list. Gyanam, Viveka, Nigamas, Tapas, Patyaksham, Atihyam, uh, and uh, and Anumana. That's the list. What is the basis of spiritual knowledge? Says here, of is Ganam. It begins with Ganam. Spiritual knowledge, uh, as they say here, real spiritual knowledge. Uh, it, what d- does it give? So that tends to be the the subject, and the other things are up in opposition to this. What is Gana? Uh, Viveka. We have a book by Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Thakta Viveka. Viveka means discrimination. That is to say, as they say here in the translation, uh, they kind of fluff these up a little bit, discrimination of spirit from matter. 
or reality from illusions. This ability of discernment, you know, to know what's what's uh, important, what's not important, what's real, what's not real. So, viveka. Uh, so jnanam and is viveka, and then. they add this, and it is cultivated by, so they, they, they've put a priority on this, Gyanam and Viveka, and then how do we get this Gyanam and Viveka? Nigama. Nigama uh, means the scriptures. Hmm? Uh, the beginning of Bhagavatam, Nigama Kalpataro Galitam Falam, this Bhagavatam is the uh, ripe fruit of the tree of the uh, the desire tree, Kalpataru, or the desire tree of the Vedas, Nigama. That word is used there. So this is Nigama. By scripture uh, or books of knowledge, uh, uh, I hate to use that word scripture because you think, you know, here we have books of knowledge and there we have scripture and these are objects of knowledge and the others are objects of belief. That's really a false discrimination. Uh, these books are actually scientific because this is what it does. It gives you knowledge. Uh, and uh, uh, from this uh, knowledge, this knowledge, including in this knowledge, are these other divisions of it, tapa, austerity. Because this knowledge and discrimination depends upon tapa, austerity. Uh, we learn in the Bhagavad Gita that knowledge comes from uh, uh, sattva gun. The, the result of knowledge, the result of uh, knowledge uh, uh, of, of the gunas of the mode of goodness, is knowledge. Uh, uh, the result of the mode of passion is misery, and the result of the mode of ignorance is despair and uh, confusion and bewilderment. Uh, these are, you could you could you could take those chapters in the Bhagavad Gita which describe these things and diagnose the whole world. Uh, so uh, uh, right now, in list of knowledge, uh, uh, the pursuit of knowledge by science or whatever this does not play a part in it uh, tapa uh, there's always some austerity you know you have to spend long nights over test tubes with your eyes all red around the rims while your friends are out having parties but so you have to you know do something some amount of renunciation but Prabhupada has described the material life is this alternating boga tiaga enjoyment, renunciation. You go to work, you make some money, you go home, you enjoy. You go back to work, you make some more money. So this is this. But uh, but actual cultivation of tapa, because not austerity for its own sake or for self-torture, because from this austerity, actually, it's a, it's a condition of knowledge. Uh, and then the other thing that happens is pratyaksha. But, you know, the word pratyaksha, it's also in the Bhagavad Gita. Pratyaksha avagamam dharmam. This process gives pratyaksha. Pratyaksha, in front of the eyes. Direct perception. 
If you don't, your eyes aren't trained in knowledge, you can't see. Uh, you know, so many times you, you, you go to the doctor's office and he puts an x-ray up and, uh, uh, on the, the lit screen and you see you see that, you don't see that, you see a bunch of blobs. You know, this means, you know, you got a problem here or something. You have to eyes of knowledge. Pratyaksha. Uh, so that's another thing. And then this word is used here, uh, 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 atityam. Uh, the word atityam, uh, uh, the, the uh, atihasa, uh, one of the divisions of Vedic literature, generally atihasya, uh, it means iti, so it was, itihasya, so it was like itiha, uh, indeed, you know, itihasya, so it happened. And that's often the word that's used for the Ramayana. And, and the Srimad ba- and the Mahabharata, the histories. These are you know, these accounts of the past that that uh, are recorded and handed down one way or the other. Um, uh, so, uh, so that's the uh, other thing. Uh, uh, the, these histories. Um, uh, so, so that's the other thing. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, then, uh, and finally, uh, uh, anumana, inference, logic. Uh, the kind of logic uh, that uh, is. Uh, inductive logic uh, that is to say if you if you have uh, valid argument form if the premises are true then it's sure and certain that the conclusion is true uh, so so that's that's deduction uh, induction is different uh, um, you know, if if uh, if you have a deductive argument, uh, uh, all crows are black birds. This is a black bird. Uh, th- that one won't work. But anyway, <laughs> 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 it's not a crow because there's other ones. But. Uh, uh, all men are mortal. All men are mortal. Here's a man. Yeah, that's the usual. All men are mortal. So and so is 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 a man. Therefore, so and so is mortal. Right? It's sure and certain. Uh, and if the premises are true, now you, the, what it, what what it, what a deductive argument does is shows you the price you have to pay in order to deny the conclusion. So you take that typical example, all men are mortal. They usually say Socrates is a man, therefore Socrates is mortal. So you don't like your Socrates, you don't like that fact. You can say, how do you know all men are mortal? Have you seen them all? Have you counted everybody? How do you know that I'm not different? 
right? That's one way of denying it because that, the only way you know all men are mortal is, well, everyone that we've seen. But the next one, that's the trouble with the, with the you, you're looking at crows and they're all black, so you say all crows are black, but there's no guarantee that the next one won't be green or white. That's, that's the problem of induction. And a lot of science is based on inductive knowledge that the future will be like the past, and what we've seen, everything else will be like that. So, so there's always been in philosophy the problem of induction. Deduction, if the conclusion, the premises are true. So, yeah, so uh, uh, all men are mortal. I have to deny that. Or I can say, how do you know that I'm a man? Maybe I'm a god. You know? So that's that's the other one. You can, you can doubt, uh, but you have to deny one of the premises. So basically, the minimum a valid argument does. So, but there's a place for for uh, logic and argument uh, based on you know really valid testimony or sound premises. Uh, so uh, anumana is there. So these are the the things that that are there. Uh, so he said, Banu Swami points this, and then the second thing is after the list, the absolute truth. Uh, 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 atta uh, Adi Antya Asya, that which was here at the beginning and end of creation, before uh, at the beginning of creation and will be at the end of creation of Asha, of this that alone is uh, Kala time and Hetu the cause and that is also there Madhya in the middle so now you're getting to an actual definition uh, of uh, something that's that you know this is Brahman actually and when Banu Swami translates this he, when Banu Swami translates he's following the commentary of Vishma Chakravarti Thakur the BPT translation they look at all the different commentaries and cherry pick or pick whatever they want to emphasize but here uh, Banu Swami translates Jnana gives power of discrimination. It is produced by knowledge of the Vedas, by following one's dharma. That's another idea uh, of uh, uh, viveka. Uh, hmm. Tapaha. That's what's what he's translating at. Is following one's dharma. Uh, uh, by personal realization, by instructions, and by logical analysis. Atihiyam uh, is atityam is instruction here. By this one realizes Brahman, the final cause. So they, he puts that in there, right? which reveals everything and which exists at the beginning and the end of the universe and during the interim as well. So this is what Vishnu Chakravarti says, Jnana is discrimination. The factors in 
cultivation of jnana are described the Vedas following one's dharma, tapaha, that's where it comes from, one's realization, pratyaksha. The, the word realization, uh, Prabhupada always uses uh, for experienced or direct perception. Jnana uh, vijnanam astikyam, it says in the Bhagavad Gita, jnana is, Prabhupada sometimes is, translates it as book knowledge, and vijnana ascertain knowledge or directly experience knowledge uh, and in Sanskrit today the word that would be used to put what we call science into Sanskrit is Vijnana because it has this idea of something that you have ascertained through direct experience and so the idea that we have a spiritual science is not based on you know, trying to grab the prestige of material science to bolster our, you know, faith claims, but rather our claim is that this gives direct perception. Therefore, it is a science. Uh, and you just have to be trained in order to have that perception. Uh, and that the same way is with material science. Otherwise, you're just looking at, you know, little dots of light on a cathode ray tube or little sounds coming off of a microphone or uh, a loudspeaker this is this, this is that you know, how, how do you know? Well, you know, they, they have to explain all the equipment and what they're measuring and how they're measuring and what it means and so on uh, uh, so it's esoteric in, in the sense that a few people understand it and everyone else accepts it on faith and on faith that those people actually know what they're doing or can do something now they give us a benefit usually somebody has to make a profit out of it <laughs> if you can't make a profit out of it it disappears from science <laughs> but uh, you know computers never would have gone anywhere if you know you couldn't use them for warfare or for, for dominance or control profit you know and so on okay so that yeah so this, this is uh, he says uh, the Vedas following one's dharma tapa one's realization pratyaksha instructions atihyam and reasoning anumana the result is described uh, and then what what uh, Vishnu Chakravarti says that which exists at the beginning and at the end of the universe and in the middle of the well in the middle as well is the cause Brahman by which he means Kala here time indicates Brahman which reveals everything. Time uncovers stuff. You know, things happen. Uh, so that's that's how Vishnu Chakravarti uh, uh, takes it. What we say here in the uh, 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 purport here in the BBT: Material scientists and philosophers are desperately searching for the ultimate material cause or principle. They do. They, you know, that's what the, the right now the major search is uh, accelerating what seems to be subatomic particles 
at uh, huge speeds and colliding with one another and see what comes out. You know, the accelerator, the CERN, at, uh, and, and so on. That's one way of doing this stuff. You're trying to get down to the very little and to the very big. Our senses range so far and then by instruments you know, you try to extend your senses. And the further away you get, the weirder everything gets. <laughs> and then you have paradoxes, you know, and all these things like that. And then, of course, the, from some of this came Heisenberg's principle of indeterminacy. You can't measure everything at once. Uh, uh, uh. Anyway, so it goes on. Uh, he, so the, the word Kala is used here which is very interesting because of course Krishna announces in the Bhagavad Gita I am time and so time it sounds as the Prabhupada describes it the powerful representation of the Lord uh, it's invincible the biggest a lot of the fantasies of science fiction writers have sometimes come true, but time travel is not one of them. <laughs> Either to go in the future, aside from preserving yourself and hope you wake up again, but actual time travel, future or past, uh, it seems to be... Uh, nobody's got a clue of how you could possibly do that. None whatsoever. The material processes of cause and effect take place entirely within a sequence of time. In other words, the time factor is the motivating impetus for material cause and effect. It all happens under control of time. The, this time man factor is a manifestation of the Supersoul, the form of the Supreme Lord that pervades and supports this, the cosmic manifestation. The method for acquiring knowledge is scientifically described here and those who are serious, reasonable scholars will take advantage of the transcendental epistemology revealed here by the Lord. Epistemology is the science of knowledge, the rules of knowledge, how to go about getting knowledge. Funny, huh? Knowledge of knowledge. Then you've got to have knowledge of knowledge of knowledge. <laughs> There's a history, <laughs> history of knowledge. <laughs> so, this, so this is here. Uh, he's going on explaining, uh, and so here he picks up by by talking about this one actual existing thing. This. Uh, uh, Factor that's middle, beginning, and end, and so now it's led up to uh, uh, a basic principle of reality. So 19 continues with this uh, illustration uh, of what is really there, what really exists. Uh, 
So here with, with text 19, uh, Krishna says, Yata hiranyam srakritam purastat paschachasaravasya hiranmayasya tadeva madye vyavyaharyamanam nana padeshayar aham asya tadvat. Remember, this is Krishna speaking to Uddhava. Uh, the translation that's given here, gold alone is present before its manufacture into gold products. The gold alone remains after the product's destruction. And the gold alone is the essential reality while it is being utilized under various designations. Similarly, I alone exist before the creation of this universe, after its destruction, and during its maintenance. So that's the example. Yata hiranyam, gold. Svakritam or suakritam, the manufactured golden products here. Uh, and and then th these words parastat and paschat before and after previously uh, and subsequently of everything that is made of gold so that's the uh, idea you make various you take gold the gold is there you do things with it you melt it you make it into various ornaments and so on and then uh, those ornaments, you know, because it's gold, you melt them down again and use it for something else. Uh, so this is what happens with gold all the time. It, uh, gold is always used in these examples because uh, gold is the indestructible metal. It, the reason it's pure is because it, it doesn't oxidize in any way. And the other precious metal, silver, it gets, you have to polish it. Gold, you really doesn't. If it's not pure, if there's other metals mixed, it may, but, but pure gold always stays pure. When you f find gold, there's no gold oxide. It's just flakes or, uh, what do you call, threads of gold and, uh, in, 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 in rock. So therefore, Gold is often used as a symbol for spirit because of its being unchangeable in that way. It's the immortal metal. Uh, uh, so here that example is being used. Similarly, I exist, I alone exist. Uh, uh, that is me that is there before during and after creation. Uh, uh, even when there's various, uh, they use the word here, apadesha. Apadesha uh, is a designation, or even sometimes it's used for, to, for a, a pretext or a disguise. So it's something that's like imposed upon. It has this notion of something being imposed upon something else. Uh, 
so this uh, is an important statement and uh, in the Bhagavatam uh, in the second canto ninth chapter there are these four verses that are called the Bhagavatam in a nutshell and it makes the same statement we have two translations of those verses because the same verses are quoted in the Chaitanya Charitamrita by Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami and Prabhupada uh, has translated them there and the, the translations aren't this, uh, are a little different uh, uh, the first one goes like this it's addressed here in this ver- these four verses are, ta- uh, are given in the Bhagavatam Krishna to talking to Lord Brahma Brahma is very interesting because Brahma is the first scientist right he's, he's called Veda Garbha he's impregnated with the Vedas and Vedic knowledge is that knowledge which Brahma uses to create the universe which is very interesting because the knowledge we have we look at the universe and try to figure out what was what's there it's the knowledge that he used to create it ahead of time there was all all the the plans for for uh, creation were there in the beginning and so he's that he downloads the plans so they're downloaded <laughs> to him this is Veda Garba impregnated with, with the Vedas and then he's the one who does it uh, uh, when Plato does cosmology in his uh, dialogue called the Timaeus there is an absolute truth uh, and then the world is created by the, the Greek word is demiurgos, a, a demiurg, uh, a creator god, who has a vision of these eternal, what Plato calls the the forms, uh, translated as the forms, the, uh, the the blueprints of things. He sees the blueprints, and he sees them, and then he takes the stuff called matter and makes them. So, so you can see that Plato's description actually owes something to, to uh, uh, ancient civilizations are, were far more in contact with each other than people have realized. They're starting to now, they, they're starting to realize the, the connection with things. But, but dur- during the, the time around Plato, you know, there was a Persian Empire one end was in India, the other end was in Macedonia, northern part of Greece. And so, they, you know, because there's one kingdom there for passages earlier, so, like for example, Plato talks about the gymnosophists, that means the naked sages. So, so there was a lot of, and people are curious, you know, and when philosophers from different cultures would meet, they would exchange notes and, and, and ideas. Uh, so there was a anyway that was going on. So this this you 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 have this idea uh, here.
that Brahma, the, 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 the creator deity, that was already there. Uh, 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 a long time before Plato uh, had this uh, notion. Uh, so here he says, uh, 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 Krishna says, Brahma, it is I, the personality of God. I'm just reading Prabhupada's translation here. Brahma, it is I, the personality of Godhead, who was existing before the creation, when there was nothing but myself. Nor was there the material nature, the cause of the creation. That which you see now is also I, the personality of Godhead. And after annihilation, what remains will also be I, the personality of Godhead. Uh, in the in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Prabhupada gives this translation of the same verse. Prior to this cosmic creation, only I existed, existed, and no phenomena exist existed, either gross, subtle, or primordial. After creation, only I exist in everything, and after annihilation, only I remain eternally. So everything that exists is actually Krishna, one form of Krishna or another, Krishna or Krishna's energies, <coughs> but he claims they're all himself. Uh, uh, and then, of course, these verses go on. Uh, uh, here in the Bhagavatam, next verse is, O Brahma, whatever appears to be of any value, if it is without relation to me, has no reality. No, it is my illusory energy, that reflection which appears to be in darkness. Uh, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita translation, what appears to be truth without me is certainly my illusory energy, for nothing can exist without me. It is like a reflection of a real light in the shadows, for in the light there is neither shadows nor reflection. Next verse, we might as well just mention them all here. Third verse of the Chatur Shloki. O Brahma, please know that the, that the universal elements enter into the cosmos and at the same time do not enter into the cosmos. Similarly, I, I, I myself also exist within everything created and at the same time, I am outside of everything. So again, he says, As the material elements enter the bodies of a living being, and yet remain outside them all, excuse me, enter the bodies of all living beings, and yet remain outside them all, I exist within all material creations, and yet not within them. The example is harder to <laughs> understand than the thing is explaining. I've had a lot of discussions with people in what way all the material in, uh, elements both outside and inside creation. That's a very interesting thing to explore because we wouldn't expect that. Because somehow in one form they're out, everything is still there in, in some original or primordial form and as they appear here they still remain undiminished. It's not like it goes away and uh, and uh, returns. That, that, in other words, when Krishna creates this world, he does it by expanding his energies. 
He doesn't lose his energies. He's not depleted. One minus one equals one. Om Then finally, uh, some instructions how you how do you how to know things. A person who is searching after the supreme absolute truth, the personality of Godhead, must certainly search for it up to this, in all circumstances, in all spaces and time, and both directly and indirectly. The other translation, Chaitanya Charitamrita, a person interested in transcendental knowledge must therefore always directly and indirectly acquire about it to know the all-pervading truth. Simpler translation. So these are the four uh, verses uh, uh, which tells us that that Brahman is that by which being known all other things become known. Uh, The way the impersonalists deal with it is saying there's nothing else that exists really. Uh, But but here we have Sadvishesha, their varieties both within the absolute truth produces a a world, but he doesn't actually have a border between here's the divine and here's the non-divine. What's the illusion is seeing the divine as uh, alienated from God. In other words, we see ourselves here as when we think of ourselves as the enjoyer and controllers of the world, we've actually done a job of alienation. This is the illusion that I'm separate from, from, from Krishna and that this world is separate from Krishna. That's the Maya. That's the that's the uh, illusion of of uh, separateness. And so our science is to remove these misapprehensions, these misperceptions, and to see things as they actually are. Uh, so that's so when here in text nineteen. Uh, Krishna is saying this, Uddhava, who knows everything, <laughs> would also recognize this idea that before, during, and after creation, there's only one thing that exists, that's Krishna, uh, with his various energies. Sometimes those energies are maintained, even when when the when Maha, the the whole material creation is wound up, uh, thing things turn to their more and more subtle forms. And remember, when we when we say subtle, we say less apparent to our own senses. But the other thing we see from, just from from regular sankhya, that the subtle creation proceeds from subtle to gross. And the subtler things are, the more powerful they are. Uh, uh, and, and so when the creation is wound up, finally there's just this thread, everything is reversed, the reversal takes place, until finally there's this sutra, this thread of the Mahatattva. And that remains, even when it's merged and wound up inside the body, of Mahavishnu, 
it's there as a little tiny distinct little thread. <laughs> Something like that. Never quite disappears. And then comes out again in a, in a manifest way. Uh, and so on. How are we doing on time? Hmm? We should stop now, huh? Okay. Well, we got uh, two things done there. Uh, so we'll continue next class. Is it next week? It is. Uh, let me mark my place and my notes. Q&A session started. And as the voice says, the Q&A session <laughs> has, done, has started. So if anyone has any questions or comments, we can entertain those now either in our studio audience or for the folks back there in Etherland, <laughs> present in your subtle forms. <laughs> yeah? When you're referring to that thread, is that, is that Pradhana? Is that what the idea is? That's yeah, but even Pradhana, there's something else. We talked about this last time, the sutra. Mahatattva, like, is a, a thread, a sutra. It's called a sutra. Yeah, it's Pradhana. Uh, but that that even has a kind of seems to have even a a finer uh, uh, form. Yeah. 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 There's different states of pradana too. Uh, there's pradana, and then when when it's when it's zapped with the time energy of Krishna, then it's called Mahatattva, and then it begins to differentiate. So Pradhan is more subtle even? Yeah, Pradhan is subtler. The Mahatattva is the more, the more if I remember correctly, the more, the more gross form of this uh, uh, thing. But then, the, then even Pradhana is described as Sutra Tattva, and sometimes is described as a Another way to see pradana, or as, a, as something within the pradana, or there's more subtle, powerful form. I don't you know. Mm -hmm. I said these things are hard to know about. The more remote they get from our own experience, so all we see is material energy in its evolved form. What what material scientists do with uh, particle accelerators and all these things like that is they see these more subtle forms of things and things get very, very strange. You know, this proliferation of what seems to be subatomic particles and, and so on. And we imagine the atom uh, as having a nucleus and little uh, Electron. electrons going around them but they're not, it, you know, they're sort of clouds more than they are actually particles, you know, anyway. So we envision them one way. But a really good scientist, really all they have is equations. They don't need any gross kind of imaginary model. They, they get gross laboratory data, they feed them into the equations, and they can predict what comes out again is a, a gross laboratory data. But that's what you do. It just links one set of experiences with another set of experiences. And what really goes on there... <laughs> Scary. 
But what they told you, hey, it's just like a little solar system. That's all nonsense. There's not anything like that at all. And when they when they hit these hit you know hit these subatomic particles and particle accelerators at higher and higher energy rates, you know, you, there's a limit because they increase in mass as they approach the speed of light. So there's a limit to even how far you can do that. And then all these little you know things register on their measuring devices. And they say, well, this is, we've found another particle, we found another, they've got this whole zoo, and people are trying to come down and organize them, and anyway. This is what's, this is what's going on. <laughs> so subtle is very hard to understand, not just for us. We have a question on the phone from Ramananda. Go ahead. Hi, Krishna, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Uh-huh. I can hear you. Please accept my humble obeisance. I've asked this question, uh, I think, maybe in the past. And so if I'm repeating myself, I please forgive me. But uh, in the uh, description of, in the first canto about uh, time space in the atoms, it describes Paramanu, that that's the smallest element, mm-hmm. the atom. But... So they're using the word atom. Uh, uh, interesting to see where the etymology of that word is. They're using the word atom to describe what they thought was the smallest particle until they found out other things, subatomic particles, you know. Uh, and uh, that doesn't correspond. Uh, Because, yeah, it comes from a Greek word meaning indivisible. They don't track, track, trace the Greek back to the Sanskrit in this dictionary. Be interesting to see where the Greek comes from. Yeah, but anyway, that's that's the that's where. Uh, <coughs> yeah. And the, the the yeah the, yeah yeah indivisible. Our uh, atomos cannot be cut. Well, they cut it. <laughs> Blew up a lot of cities with a few cities with it and things like that, you know. So the, they should have changed the name so you won't get confused and I won't get confused. <laughs> Because the atom isn't atomic. So, we, we have in the Sankhya philosophy, and there, you know, there's other things, well that's not in Sankhya really, but we, we have these, these kinds of uh, ideas that are also there. Uh, and uh, you just can't really um, 
try to impose or layer, you know, what they know and how the earth, the, the world is explored by using the techniques of uh, Vedic knowledge. Uh, one thing, I mean, there's very big differences. First of all, consciousness is fundamental in creation. Uh, that's that's not uh, n- n- not the idea in material. They can't deal with consciousness. Basically, it's an anomaly. Uh, uh, so, w- where that comes from, you can't say how it arises from matter. Uh, uh, I mean, because matter, as far as they know, is just is just the material energy, which can be described completely in terms of numbers. And their idea is somehow in the beginning, you see what they're thinking they're doing with the particle accelerators, as they get into higher and higher energy states of, of, of accelerating particles and bombarding them, is the higher your energy state, the closer and closer you're getting toward creation. Because they have an evolutionary idea. The real trick of material science is how to explain how everything comes from nothing. No God, it's just by purely natural. So somehow there was this original state of something. Uh, you know, the Big Bang idea. Uh, and, and there were very, very simple states of matter, super simple, and somehow or other they become more complex. And, you know, so first you have this subatomic particle. Now, they thought it was simple, now they're not, it's not so simple, so they got, got a real, real problem here. But they want to, you know, they say that these things just get more complex over time. That's what happened, you have very simple states of matter that can be described in terms of numbers and they get more complicated so these subatomic particles form atoms atoms start to cling together and give molecules then you have this carbon atom which is really cool and it makes more complicated structures of you know rings and when you get carbon you begin to have you know, complicated organic structures, you know. So they get more, but still you can describe it all in terms of numbers. When you say mechanistic science, everything can be described completely in terms, you can reduce it to numbers. Then at a certain point, things get more and more complex. But then something Post into view comes in, comes into view, which is not just structures of matter, however complicated, but the experience of structures of matter. Nobody can fit those together. Uh, uh, I'm a struck. My body is complete structure of matter. They can, you know, but somehow or other, someone's at home. Uh, the, the, this the, uh, a material thing, uh, a, a glass is a, co- a structure of matter that can be 
now completely described in terms of numbers exhaustively there's nothing left over my body is a structure of matter but here there's somebody at home I'm not just an object I'm a subject I have significance for myself this glass just has significance for others they can't get so so what 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 Sankhya philosophy says there's two things you know there's Prakriti and there's Purusha and the world comes from this confluence of these two things and that this Purusha uh, the self is un- irreducible now there is a non-theistic Sankhya somehow they're just both there you know, we describe them as the two energies of the Supreme Lord go a little further but but if you read the, the non-theistic versions of Sankhya you know just the Purusha uh, becomes liberated and matter ceases to work on it and the Purusha is eternally isolated and that's your state of bliss you're completely alone but think of the sages who did this right where they went to the Himalayas they weren't even in an ashram or something they went off by themselves they lived in cages and you know were just isolated there's no social interactions. <laughs> but anyway, that's uh, uh, that, that, that. So the, how to deal with consciousness is still, as far as I can see from the books I'm looking at, still baffling everybody. And, and there have been, you know, philosophers of science who just want to say it's really not there. It's an illusion. It's an epiphenomena. But, you know, you can't have any experience, you know, without consciousness. I mean, it's really far out to think like that. So we say that this is irreducible. But then once it's irreducible, then then it's really hard to be an atheist. <laughs> you can always manage, but if you want to, you know. Apohanam, cha, Krishna gives him the intelligence to push him aside. From me comes remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness. Do you want to forget me? I give you all power to do that. So if there's brilliant atheists, that's Krishna's grace. Anyway, so don't be confused about, you know, their atoms and our atoms. (laughs) Do they believe actually that there's nothing before matter? Who are they? The The scientists with the naturalists. Yeah, it's something very, very subtle. I don't know what there's. There there is there is a quantum field, and for some reason there's a fluctuation in the quantum field, or something like that. So there's something always existing, or there's nothing, and then something. It's better if something is always existing, because if it didn't always exist, then you got to think of a cause. So something is eternal. You know. But they, you know, they, they, they always run into problems. <laughs> Whereof one cannot speak, thereof one must be silent. This is the famous last statement of Ludwig Wittgenstein's Tractatus Logical Philosophicus, suggesting there is something to be silent about, but <laughs> 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 subtly. 
Okay, anything else? Another question by phone. Go ahead. Yes, speaking of relationship to the material world, it would seem that way. But nevertheless, I mean, we know that Krishna has his internal energies, and but that's still Krishna alone. Even when he's expanding in his 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 his, uh, his with his internal energies. Uh, but here in this instruction to Brahma, that comes later <laughs> in the Bhagavatam, what's going on uh, in Krishna's everlasting kingdom. But in relationship to the material energies, ultimately, in, in, in one sense, you're, you're... But nevertheless, I mean... We Sorry about that. You're, that's your... There's a delay, huh? <laughs> I was wondering who's that. <laughs> Interesting. The time warp in here. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> Her phone was on, and I, <laughs> I heard myself a few minutes, a few seconds before. <laughs> Disoriented. Well, we're talking about time, and this happens. How huh? spooky, no? <laughs> but but yeah. So that that's what I'm thinking. It depends upon. The, 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 that conversation with Brahma is one frame of reference. Brahma is inquiring to where I came from, and I, I, I and he sees that that his father, who uh, Narada is talking to Brahma, and Brahma is meditating. There must be something bigger than you. Why don't you tell me what that is? So we 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 finally find out about the enlightenment of Brahma. When he, you know, was found himself. I mean, imagine Brahma's statement: "This lotus flower opens up, and he's sitting there, and he's got the creative impulse. He knows intuitively that there's something I've got to be doing. But who am I? How did I get here? Why am I sitting on this, you know, lotus flower?" And then he decides to become a scientist. He climbs down the stem of <laughs> Lotus Fire to see where it came from. And he can't get very far. But then he hears the instructions. Tapa. Perform austerity. The mode of knowledge. So he can get knowledge to create as by Tapa. So he climbs back up. He meditates. And then there's a down dump. Uh, info dump. <laughs> Uh, where he gets where he gets the gets enlightened with the knowledge of how to create and other things too. So this is this is the the, the story as it's told. Uh, obviously, it must be a very unusual lotus, but it's, that's the word that's used. Because <laughs> it's got all the ingredients for creation in the the lotus, the planets are all there in, in seedling forms. Actually, everything is already there. 
It's like a kit you get from Ikea, you know, you got to open it up and put it together. <laughs> so he's the secondary creator. Anyway, that's the best I can do with that question. <laughs> Anything else? All right. So we will resume next week. Again, this is called Jnana Yoga, so don't be disturbed, but you get relief from the next chapter, which is called Bhakti Yoga. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we'll, we'll continue. Uh, how far did we get? Text yeah, we'll start with 20 next week. Okay, text number 20. Thank you very much. Srimad Bhagavatam Aki Jai Prabhupada Aki Jai.